This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, welcome in. It's the PHNX Cardinals podcast, audio only edition, your premier Arizona Cardinal podcast, Johnny Venerable, Bo Brock. We are back, Bo, in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. I took my dogs for a walk <laughs> on this fine Sunday evening. I didn't have to bundle up my face. My hands aren't chapped. And uh, all that to say, very productive week in Indianapolis for the crew. Yeah, it absolutely was. That's a bit of an understatement considering how we brought things home on Friday. It was a banner day for PHNX Cardinals, PHNX Sports. Having the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, join us. Give us a full breakdown of what's going on this offseason. His first season at the helm of the cards. And uh, we were excited about that and to, to share that with everybody. It's been incredible. The feedback. Thank you for everybody that's reached out on social media and the exclusive member Discord. Uh, people actually just reaching out, hitting up Johnny and myself. Uh, just unreal, completely uh, blown away by it and, and grateful for each and all of you who uh, who have reached out and said anything or, or listened to that or watched that interview. But uh, even with all that being said, the, the combine, Johnny, carried on. And, you know, just from the wide receivers to the tackles to even you look at the other skill position, the running back position and reports of who the Cardinals have talked to, uh, to the to the quarterbacks who, who actually did work out and what that could uh, solidify in front of the Cardinals, picking fourth overall. I mean, there, there's just so much to, to kind of break down after such a busy week. We're just kind of getting started here. Uh, draft season is a, it's officially on uh, yeah. tomorrow. I think it's on with you know a, a rocket fuel, and I it it stinks that we had to go home Friday. We missed the receivers and the and the offensive lineman run, but typically for those that have never been, most people leave on Friday morning, Friday afternoon. Like yeah. once the most everybody has spoken, you know, with respect to the the lineman who did speak the next day and, and shout out to our guy, Donnie Druin, uh, who does a great job covering the team, was was cranking out good stuff uh, uh, from the offensive lineman pressers. Most everybody takes off and, and we tr- tried to strategize it. We were going to try to see Marvin Friday morning. That didn't happen. And then, and then we took off Friday night, but you know, it, the performances over the weekend are really what's going to highlight. I mean, we've got so much to talk about. We can't cover it all in this, in this podcast. It's going to be on the entirety of the shows this week, but it, it does feel like we have immense clarity, I think on the top three picks. Like I, I really do feel like living in Indianapolis and we kind of felt this way, or at least I, I did. I said on the four. show. Well, well, I'll get to that here in a second, <laughs> but we were before the, we left for the combines. I haven't felt more confident about Marvin not being selected in the top three. That was a lie. I feel infinitely more confident now. At no point, at no point while we were in Indy, talking with people on and especially off air, people in the know, people who cover this team year round, not just in this market, the three quarterbacks are going to go top three. 
Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams, not J.J. McCarthy, are going to be the first three picks in some order with Caleb going first overall. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be available for the Cardinals if they want him at pick four. And never did I think we would get to a point now where we have to not pivot, but we have to at least on the surface level entertain them not doing that because of not necessarily new information. We know they, they need a left tackle, but it's like, it is pretty fucking crazy, Bo, that we're here in early March. We have almost confirmation that he's going to be available, and yet we have to weigh all the options. And right now, some of the options are trading back and diving headfirst into this robust offensive line class. <laughs> it's uh, champagne problems as far sure, as the season sure. goes. Sure, right? Um, one, you don't need a, a quarterback, and you don't have to buy for one. Um, and, and then two, you've got the, you can, I guess, just pick and decipher who you feel is the best non quarterback or what the best move is to maximize being in that position to be in front of some quarterback hungry team. So, um, you know, it, it really is fascinating. Like when you, you think about it, obviously so many people, including myself and I, and I think including yourself want to see Marvin Harrison jr be the pick for the Arizona Cardinals. It's it's electric, right? I mean, t- to be able to see him suit up for the cards, catch passes from Kyler Murray, be the next great playmaker in this offense, and it just seems like it was destined for that to happen. And you got Marvin, you know, liking pro football focuses. Uh, I think it was betting or whatever other, like, offshoot, you know, uh, social yeah. channel they had. He liked it where it said, like, the Arizona Cardinals would be you know, loaded with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Kyler Murray. Another one of the many tweets he's liked throughout this draft season. Um, but you have to think about, you know, the Arizona Cardinals truly maximizing that pick and what that looks like. And looks uh, like for Monty Austin, Fort and crew. And like Monty and Marvin Harrison seems like the easy solution, but you kind of start to look at the other scenarios and, what would be best for them with a $230.5 million quarterback and how they were so successful at the end of last season, kind of ground and pound, sitting up Kyler Murray to, to uh, face maybe a couple stack boxes, get back and, and, and pick apart some defenses. Um, you can see a future where they could pivot off of Marvin and it work out better for them, which is crazy to think about. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's where things are. I mean, I, I don't think that still think that Marvin Harrison is the odds on favorite for them to, to select. And he, he's going to continue to put himself in that conversation from things that Monty said at his podium to what, you know, you, you heard around Indianapolis at the combine, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that you can't, you could probably get a mechanical pencil with an eraser and, and put in Marvin Harrison right now, but I wouldn't want to Sharpie it in at this point. Yeah. We watched Joe Alt, you know, put together a nice day on Sunday afternoon. But I, he ran over roughly a five flat forty, and he Mm -hmm. looks the part. And for those of you who don't know, the Cardinals had a really good meeting with Joe Alt, Notre Dame left tackle last week, and he's the unequivocal for number one tackle. Yeah, like he, the Olu Fashion situation is is fascinating because. Did not have a good week at the combine, mm-hmm. and I think he's now fallen to potentially o- OT three or even OT four. His hands, man. Yeah, it's a problem, right? <laughs> I, I don't know if it's necessarily a, a problem for 
It's just concerning overall. I don't know. Damon keeps texting me. Producer Damon keeps texting me and says he has similar hand sizes to. I no, I understand that. Like, just from a proportion standpoint, like that he's six six, way over three hundred pounds, and he's got these baby hands. I mean, there's they're well smaller than Kenny Pickett's, and he's much larger than Kenny Pickett, the quarterback that we give crap for having these, you know, tiny Burger King commercial hands. Olu Fashionu, I, I mean, I don't think that really plays a role as far as somebody playing his position. But it's, it, I mean, it's, you got to be able to lock your hands on somebody and and hold on for your life half the time. Uh, I mean, but let me ask you this though: in the, the wide receivers in the tackle classes can continue to solidify themselves as just elite, right? Yeah. How do you? How do you have your rankings changed at either yeah. one of those positions and, and how do, how do you have the moment for sure yeah yes i'm very impulsive what are your these. prisoner of the moment rankings now i bumped olu fashionu down significantly so they go of, how i go alt and then i think fuega fuaga is clearly ot2 now i mean he put on a performance on sunday and he was already like, if Fashionu, there were some mocks that had him above Fashionu before the combine. But for the, like, Fashionu was going like on average, like between nine to 11. And then Fuaga was right after him. I think Fuaga is firmly OT2 easily now with Joel. I think they're both going top 10. And then it's a coin flip. I mean, um, the kid out of Washington who Daniel Jeremiah says unequivocally is going to play left tackle, going to play tackle in the NFL. He's not a guard. Yeah. And his, and his arms were big enough. That's a game changer because his tape is better than Olu Fashionu's tape. That how do you pronounce his last name? Fontenu. Fontenu for, has better tape than Olu Fashionu. And you saw it. Yeah, you saw it at Washington. He just destroyed people. Mm-hmm. And th- so there, there's a group of of four now with they all played these in the championship game. Uh, yeah, even they lost and against that Michigan defensive front. Yeah, which was he, admirable. Like you can point to that. Alt, it goes Alt, Fuaga, Fat New Now, and Fashanu are my top four. Then there's that next group that I think is consistent of three guys, really, maybe two guys. Is it Mims? JC Latham didn't run the 40, but he worked out. Tyler Guyton did not have a good day. And there are people now projecting him to fall out of the first round. That is prime Cardinals 27 or 35. You you yeah. gotta be licking your chops. They, I, I think, can be in a converted tight end. I think he may, needs to put on a little bit more weight. He looked a little stiff working out. So, but then you throw in Kingsley, the kid out of BYU, looked really good. There are eight guys. I sent them to you earlier today. There are eight guys that I would feel comfortable with taking, but none of these guys, none of them are on the level of Marvin Harrison Jr. That was my biggest takeaway this weekend. Joe Alt, and this is kind of the point I was trying to get to earlier. Joe Alt is a supremely gifted tackle. He is not near Marvin in terms of a, a NFL prospect. And I know it's easy to point the finger and say, well, Joe Alt fell a couple times. His feet, he lost his feet when they, he was doing a couple of the drills. And even Daniel Jeremiah said, he's got to pick his feet up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not a good sign. And I know it's easy because Marvin didn't do anything. But Joe Alt's a prospect that comes along about every two to three years. Marvin's a prospect that comes along every like five to seven years is kind of how I feel about those two players right now. But with that being said, and then I'll throw it back to you. If if they think that 
they can get Joe Alt and mortgage the New York Giants draft picks for the next two years, you have to consider that. It's not my first choice, right? But if the, if if the Giants say we love JJ McCarthy and you can get their two this year, their one this year, and a future high pick, you're going to have to consider that based on the where this roster is now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and where that would put you draft capital-wise and, and obviously offensive line-wise, potentially, um, because, I mean, we'll see what the Chargers would do, and, and you would be, be at risk of, of taking the second-best tackle that's even at sixth overall, uh, picking after the Chargers, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that that would be a tough pill to swallow. But then you look at this, this wide receiver class, and, you know, when I asked you to kind of re- calibrate your your tackle class i look at this wide receiver class and it, it's marv at the top right and yeah he made the right decision not to do anything right and he still has a stranglehold on being the top receiver in this draft and then i think neighbors i don't think he did himself any favors no. not dissipating because you got roma dunze now knocking at the door but those are obviously still the top three and if you're just doing a top five here I mean, that's where things get unbelievably tight. Uh, you probably say Brian Thomas, who Jr., who is unbelievable as well. He ran a four-three-three. Uh, the you know played at LSU with neighbors, and then you start to look at the other guys. And Troy Franklin, you know, he's he ran a four-four-one. He was impressive. The Cardinals. He said he hadn't talked to the Cardinals. You got a Donnie Mitchell out of Texas putting up a four-three-four. Yeah. And what you know, you look at his his size and and what he did at, at Texas, and um, you know six two and two oh five. I mean, he's I think he he might have gotten ahead of a guy like Troy Franklin, who was super productive at, at Oregon. Then you got like Xavier Leggett and Roman Wilson, Lab McConkey, who were all sub four four guys. Uh, Tez Walker who was four three six out of North Carolina. Like it's unbelievable this class, the depth it has. That um, you, you got to feel pretty confident that you're going to get one, maybe two big time playmaking wide receivers in this draft. But I, I still don't think that that should change your plan. But it, it certainly like solidified what you thought about this wide receiver class. No doubt about it. You know, it's funny. I Troy Franklin looked good running the forty, and then. The gauntlet really didn't look as comfortable. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, and I'm glad people pointed this out because I can get lost in this. You know, Keon Coleman fell off this year and did not have a good 40. But then they put him in that gauntlet drill, and he looked about as good as anybody, including Malik Ni- or uh, Roman Dunze. So I think it just shows you, like, it was just he, fluid, right, Britain? Right. He's, he's just golden he, text he us over like, the middle of the field. Yeah. It just shows you, like. Marvin Gerace, but if you can double dip back into that position as early as the third round, you're going to get, I think, a really good player to help you. Third, fourth, fifth round, they're going to be guys who they don't check every box, but just because like Keon Coleman and now Tyler Guyton and some guys are not first rounders, like it, it still emphasizes how loaded this class is. Yeah. I mean, I, the common theme that we heard and then subsequently saw this week in Indianapolis is you have to be kicking yourself legitimately sick to your stomach if your team does not have picks this year right and if you have extra picks it it is going to expedite your rebuild tenfold and so i think the common denominator is or the best way i can describe it is 
Mar- if you're if you're picking the best player, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player for you to pick at number four. Mm-hmm. If you think that you can parlay a trade back and get Fuaga or Joe Alt and get too many picks to ignore, then they're going to consider that. I don't think there is any way they're going to take Joe Alt over Marvin Harrison Jr. at pick four. I don't think that's an option for them. I think they understand that that's not good value. We talked to Benjamin Albright. Joe Alt's not going five to the Chargers, Mm -hmm. right, at least at this point. I also don't think, and I put this in my article, gophnx.com, based on what we've heard and how desperate they are. Desperate may not be the right word. How thirsty they are to get a left tackle. I don't think Malik Neighbors or Roman Dunze is in play for the Cardinals at all. I don't either. I think it's Marvin or one of the top tackles that is, you know, equipped with multiple high picks. Yeah. And and more of my point with the wide receivers and and along with these tackles, and and you would ask me today, it's like, hey, at 27, are are there going to be enough picks that go off the board that are going to leave these top eight guys? And I think as far as the wide receivers going crazy this weekend, that almost solidifies that one, at least one, two, three of these tackles are going to be right there for the picking. And like, they just need to be able to decipher like, Hey, do we like, you know, Guyton, Latham, Mims who aren't perfect guys, like aren't perfect prospects, but that's, you know, that's what you're going to get at 27. You take a prospect that's got projectables. Right. But I think like what Adonai Mitchell did and Brian Thomas Jr. did is they solidified themselves along with guys like, you know, you're going to have at least two, maybe three Johnny edge rushers in this first round and likely before the Cardinals were back on the clock at 27 with the with what Dallas Turner, Jared Verse, probably Chop Robinson and what some of these corners did. I mean, you look at this cornerback class and I loved what I watched as we were on our way out, but you know, Quinion Mitchell, four three three. You know what what he was able to do in, in some of the drills, what he did in the Senior Bowl, uh, what he did in the interview process. Uh, man, I, I I love what I've heard and what I've seen from Terry on Arnold, uh, and and then you got Cooper DeGene who didn't work out, and then this what people what their thoughts are on Nate Wiggins. I hope the Cardinals aren't on, on Nate Wiggins. Is as crazy as his forty time was. I don't uh, think at 170 pounds, it just doesn't seem like uh, 428. I know that's unbelievable, but guy doesn't like to kind of get in and, and tackle. Um, but I, I think that there's three to four corners in that, you know, with those edges, you got, you know, the two defensive tackles that I think are top 20, top 25 guys and, and jurors on Johnny Newton and uh, who didn't work out and uh, and Byron Murphy, the second. So you're starting to load up, man, and there's not a whole lot of room to fit eight tackles. There's just not. It's just a it's a numbers game. And I think the Arizona Cardinals are absolutely going to benefit from that. And you're going to benefit from some teams erring on the side of taking premium positions over best players available um, or, or positions of need over best players available to where it's just going to work in favor of the Cardinals to land a really good player to fill a big need for them now after the DJ Humphreys injury. I'll make a prediction right now. I I don't think Byron Murphy gets to 27, but I think a Jared Verse, a Latu, a, a Jerzon Newton, those guys I think are going to be available in the 20s. Yeah. Based on what we saw this weekend. You're going to be able, maybe you have to do a mini trade up and you got to throw a third rounder at somebody. 
you're going to one of those. If you love Jerzon Newton, you can get him close to your pick at 27. And that's not a knock on him. I think he's a top 20 pick any other year. But the the, the surplus will dry out quickly at tackle and, and wide receiver. Um, so if you feel like you have to weigh, if you're the Cardinals, let's take you, let's say you take Marvin at four. And there's a bull rush of tackles that go off the board. And you're looking at Kingsley and maybe you're looking at Guyton. In the in the 20s, and they're OTs, you know, OT six and seven for you, but Jerzon Newton's DT2. Mm-hmm. Like that's an easy decision. You or go what? and you get could be one. that's what right, that's right. Or number one. Yeah. You go and you make that call. And mm-hmm. then you say, okay, we're gonna figure it out on day two. Maybe we'll get another veteran in here. You don't you don't just take a Kingsley or even with how Mims looked. I, they're going to be very fortunate. Like we we freaked out all year. I freaked out with with how this pick saddle with Houston. It's still tough to swallow, but the the talent as compared to years prior, it's not going to be fringe first rounders or guys that are you know with top forty grades. It's going to be guys that any other year are going top fifteen, top twenty that you're going to yeah. have at your disposal. So the biggest thing is they. You heard it in Gannon's interview with us. Premium positions, guys that put their hand in the dirt. Right. And if you're splurging on a on a generational prospect that doesn't do that at pick four, even though you and I have the same mindset that receiver is a premium position now, mm-hmm. you can bet your ass that 27 is going to be an either offensive or defensive lineman. It will probably be BPA, O-line or D-line. And I think you almost can consider 35 after 27. What position did they not address and go right. BPA there? And they're in striking them once again, the numbers game. I think 35, right. they're in a position to get a damn good player. Mm-hmm. I mean, having six picks in the top 100 yeah. in this draft, and you're going to have guys just because of the point I made earlier, like quarterbacks and, and other positions of need, teams just bad at drafting, poorly run. Like, yeah, you're going to have guys that are just overlooked that the Arizona Cardinals are just going to be able to pluck and, and put on the roster. And Lonnie Austin Ford, after adding four starters in his first three rounds last year, um, he could add six potentially. And who knows what he'll do as far as you know, maybe he trades down at a 35 and takes somebody in the forties and fifties and, and, and stocks up more draft capital in the future. But man, is, is are they in a, if, if anything was, we learned from this week, the Arizona Cardinals, like you said, I mean, this is a great year to have a ton of draft picks. But, you know, you talk about Jerzon, uh, Johnny Newton, and, and Byron Murphy the second. They play that defensive tackle position. We learned some things over this weekend about, you know, what we didn't necessarily believe to be true, you know, before this, this weekend was the Miami Dolphins. Doesn't look like they're going to get something done with Christian Wilkins. Those were reports out. Same thing goes for Brian Burns, who plays the outside linebacker position. But two players, Johnny, that we thought were going to be spoken for and weren't going to at least leave uh, their respective, you know, current teams and weren't going to hit free agency. But it looks like they both will. The difference between the two is Josina Anderson, who broke the news about Brian Burns. Still thinks there's an opportunity for the the the, the Panthers to tag him, right? Um, but a tag and trade would be in play. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're of the mindset that the Cardinals want to entertain trading a pick for Brian Burns at this po- point. If he hits the market, I think all bets are off. Whereas Wilkins, who we both agreed off air, 
if, if, if you're picking between the two, that feels like the better option right now. It doesn't sound like it sounds like he's just leaving Miami like it's over. Like they've got to pay, you know, Jalen Waddle and they got to pay Tua and they're just they're going to try to rebuild their defense and their Vic Fangio left and they just got a lot of needs. I mean, they're losing their, their left guard. So Miami's in a tough spot and the other teams are going to are going to prosper, prosper because of it, because they, they've got some talent that's that's coming off their books and potentially on somebody else's. Wilkins, to me, I reached out to somebody earlier today and, and they said I'd be shocked if they didn't have interest. And if you go back and you watch the interview we, we did with JG, he kind of alluded to somebody that they thought was going to be available and then the cap went up and then they thought, okay, maybe he's going to get tagged. I read that as Justin Matabuke. People mm-hmm. in our, our fan base read that as Christian Wilkins. I couldn't tell you one way or the other. But <laughs> what, I can, what I can say is that if they're not in on Christian Wilkins, like that's going to be disappointing. But we do know that Jonathan Gannon told us to our face that, like, yeah, you need depth, but you also have to have the guy. Mm-hmm. Wilkins is 28 years old. You're committing to probably a four-year deal, very similar to what the Niners paid Hardgraves last year. You can do that. You're not paying anybody right now. Nobody, especially in 20. Put all that money into 2025. You got nobody on your books but Kyler Murray and a couple draft picks from last year. I, I think if if you can sign him to a four-year deal – get two high level years of service before he turns 30. And then you just, you, you hope and pray at 30, 31, he can produce for you. I, I, I say that's, that's the first move you make. And it, it's going to be tough, but because we were talking about Houston's linked to him already, no state tax in Texas, D'Amico Ryan's with all the cachet, everybody, you know, that's a hot team right now. They got a rookie mm-hmm. contract, but I mean, it's about money. Yeah. Hey, you ought to be able to say, we're going to pay more. And we want to show this guy that he can be a part of our future. But, you know, I wish I could tell everybody on this podcast that they're 100% in on them and they're going to pay him the most money. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a crowded market. It, my, it's, it's, there, it's not going to just be Cardinals and, you know, another team. Like, this is going to be, there's going to be a team, especially with the increase in salary cap. Uh, there's There's going to be a ton of teams that are going to be, talking to his agent, trying to negotiate the deal that's going to land this, this free agent because, you know, a lot of teams are, have become wise to free agency being fool's gold and very rarely do you get a, an opportunity to sign a player of this caliber. And I believe, like, because of what Gannon told us, and we, we knew this before, like, because of the five-man rotation that they run and because of the embarrassment of riches that he had in, in Philadelphia and how that elevates Everybody on that defense with the Russian cover mentality, even if they get Wilkins, I don't think some of these top defensive tackles come off their board. I even think no. that they, they continue, they may even pr- pursue more aggressively, like a Byron Murphy the second or uh, a Jerzon Johnny Newton or um, Chris Jenkins didn't have that great of a combine. Which was unfortunate, but you think he was overshadowed by a solid day two pick. Yeah, right. Maybe a little bit. I think you want him a little stronger, but if if you couple him obviously with a defensive front that already features you know Wilkins and you've got Dante Stills, I mean you you, you draft a guy which I have no doubt that they will. But if you draft a guy on day two, I mean any of those guys on day two with a Christian Wilkins and Dante Stills, you got three or five guys. I mean that's that's a completely that's a complexion changing defensive front moves right there. They just they just need a, a veteran. At corner and, and defensive tackle, they yeah. just have to have it, especially on the defensive line. 
like who did we talk to this week where it's just like I think it was Craig Graylu of the Cardinals off off air and we were just like when the Niners and the Seahawks and the Rams just decided this year that they were going to pound the Cardinals into oblivion running the football mm-hmm. they did so you don't think Gannon and Austin Ford know that it's just like you can be opportunistic and get turnovers and takeaways but when those teams that you went 0-6 against wanted to assert themselves against you they could and that's not because of your off-ball linebacker play your two stud safeties it's because you don't have the guys up front yeah and to your point it's like wilkins is is a start but it's not by any means a finished product like Mm -hmm. you got to go double down on dante stills i would draft multiple defensive tackles i just i i was so glad to hear the urgency from gannon kind of reading between the lines of his comments like yeah like it's it's on our radar you know, I made a comment to him, like, you guys took an edge rusher last year. It just makes sense. You have to go and get a young developmental defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. And this is the offseason to spend. So if there's a if a, a supremely gifted one hits the market, you got to be on it. I just – Cardinals have never in recent memory been that franchise that if there's a top five player available, been the, the, the team that, to go out and spend a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to get outside your comfort zone. But again – we don't know what Austin Ford is liable to do. He's we've he's never been equipped with this and had and had this platform. We know that they're going to go out and get their versions of Yelda Froldholt and Kazir White, you know, throwing it back to last year. They're going to do that. They're, they're going to do that more than they did last year. Right. But can they land a big fish for a bunch of guaranteed money and sell themselves and court a guy into what they're building and cut a fat check? I think they can, but we got to see it to believe it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, quality over quantity is probably the route they'll go. Yeah. With what they have in cap space. And and, and then they'll fill in, you know, they'll fill in the, you know, where they where they feel like they, they have holes and that they're not going to be able to address in, in free age, or I'm sorry, in the draft. But, man, they're, they're going to be active, and that's exciting. And they're going to be active a week from Monday. Yeah. When the tampering period opens up and – it's going to be nonstop action. So pumped about that. Tyron Smith, also a notable uh, tackle position, dealt with injuries, used to be a mainstay as far as the left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, I would bet that they monitor, at least monitor his market, wouldn't you think? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'd really show your card. If they signed him, that would really show their cards what they're going to do with top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. You signed Tyron Smith. or you, I mean, it's a great point. You sign it to any tackle in free agency, they're not taking a tackle in the top 10. They're taking a developmental guy that you right. can still start in November and December, but you know definitively, like I have no doubt about the Patriots not taking Marvin. Now it's almost just like, all right, Cardinals, show me what, show me your cards here. And if, right. you, if you monitor a Tyron Smith, I think there's I think there's a chance if they sign Tyron Smith or somebody like that, that Kelvin Beecham could get cut. I think Kelvin Beecham could be gone. Like yeah. as shitty as that is, I put this in my article, gophnx.com. Like, you sign a free agent tackle. I think they release Kelvin Beecham. This tackle becomes the placeholder. You have some developmental guys that you have last year carrying over. You get a tackle, whether it's 27, 35, trade down, whatever. And then you just kind of go, you know, month to month, quarter by quarter of the season and see how it goes. But that's that's it's so unfortunate. Because I, I really do believe, Bo, that if DJ Humphreys was healthy on this team, 
I don't I don't even think we'd be talking about right. these top tackles going top 10. But that's also counterproductive on how Austin Ford can look at the big picture of just like, are we really going to force a left tackle? Maybe they really do love Joe Ald. Are we really going to force a left tackle over Marvin because yeah. we lost DJ Humphreys and what was going to be his last year with us anyway? I hope not. Yeah. It's it's really going to be interesting too when that when that uh, hump news is going to come out. I imagine it's going to be between now and and next week, right? I mean, right. The, yeah, I'm, the June first designation most likely, right? It's just I I'm not trying to knock people here locally, but the people who are like and not fans, but like other media that are trying to sell this notion, like yeah, he's he's going to work out and humps on the team and. It's not a sure thing that they, they're going to release him. Like, what are you talking about? He's an over 30-year-old tackle who blew out his knee mm. late in the season and had, like has to have major surgery. And you think they're going to keep him on the roster? Like, I, I just, they can't entertain that at all. That's just a ludicrous state. Like, this is a salary cap business. He's a, a yeah. great stalwart. Like, he's not going to play football this year, especially for the Arizona Cardinals. So, they're gonna, they're gonna just they're gonna take their what is it nine million dollars and allocate that elsewhere. I just I've seen too many people like I have no idea why they're doing this. Maybe they, they have a relationship with DJ, which is which is fine, but he's not gonna be on the team. He got yeah. he like got dealt a bad hand. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean Monty Osfor when asked about it, it's just like it's tough. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> he, he gave you the Hopkins answer from last yeah, year. It's the exact right. same answer. It's like phew. I mean, what do you want me to say? I mean, they got a ton of respect for him, and and they should, right? Uh, you know, um, uh, Gannon told us he's like, and I think he reiterated this later on, but like offensive linemen are his spirit animal, and you know, yeah. he loves those guys. He's got a lot of love for DJ Humphreys, but everybody understands that the business side of this. And if the Arizona Cardinals didn't make that move, it would be bad business, right? I mean, it's like, oh well. You're my friend, and you're like, I want to keep you on because we really like each other. It's like, well, it's a cap leak, and this frees up a ton of kids. Unless they're like, hey, we can do everything we want free agent wise, and 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 make sure we're fine financially. I just don't see that being realistic. So it, there's so much to talk to uh, talk about. As I said, a week from today, the tampering window opens up, basically igniting the uh, the free agent, NFL free agent dynamite, which is going to be unbelievable. You're going to want to be uh, locked into this podcast. Of course, if you haven't done so, uh, subscribe to PHNX Sports on YouTube. Of course, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. We appreciate that. Anything before we get out of here? Uh, I mean, we're going to have a full live show Monday afternoon. Uh, There's just too much to talk about. There like, really is. There's just... There's too much to talk about. We wanted to get on the mics tonight and uh, debrief, decompress, decompose from Indianapolis. It's great. It's great <laughs> to be back in Phoenix. Decompose. I'm decomposing every day. My body, is, I, I probably gained anywhere between. I know everybody says I didn't eat. I did eat. I probably gained five to seven pounds every morning at the convention center. We would go up and I would just shotgun pastries and <laughs> and, and bad coffee and I would just be like, I'm ready to rock and roll. So you were just you're just like a duck. I didn't even see you chew those. Pastries. I'm like, oh, look at these pecan open face <laughs> pastries and chocolate chip muffins. Like that was my life for five days and freezing my ass off and having a blast with my brothers. So 
it's great. But now it's well, now it's go time, and now it's time to to truly kickstart this off season with Bo. I think the outside of last April's draft, the first meaningful period of rebuilding this roster starts in a week's time, and I can't wait. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, you should heavily consider joining uh, GoPHNX as a diehard. We had a ton of new diehards. Jess last week to, uh, man, a couple other ones. Tom, I know, jumped in there. Daniel jumped in there. Gary. Uh, Gary, Gare Bear. He's, Bear. he's locked up and, and enjoying, I think, the member Discord, the exclusive member Discord, which it's not going to slow down. It's only going to get crazier and crazier. Uh, your mock drafts, of course. We're going to do our first seven-round mock draft this week as well. Help uh, us. We'll, <laughs> we'll put on the Monty Bald Caps, and, and we're going to get after it for the first time. We're going to go four, seven, uh, seven rounds, 13 picks, maybe more depending on how the first-round dominoes fall. But, uh, yeah, just ramping things up. Cannot wait uh, for you know, the, the immediate future of this podcast for this team. For my co-host, Johnny Venerable, who's dialed in to all things behind the scenes for the Arizona Cardinals, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Johnny Venerable. Follow me at Bo Brock. And, of course, follow the show on all social media platforms at PHNX underscore Cardinals. Have a great rest. You're listening on Sunday night. You found us. Thank you. If you're listening Monday morning, we'll talk to you later at 430. See you. We all city like the mayor. 